You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. It's an honor for me to, to speak to you guys tonight, to share the word with you guys. And um, one of the things that, uh, that happened to me, I'm going to start, my, my message is fear not. And commun- communion this, this uh, evening was about you know, not letting fear take over your life, right? We heard Nashla beautifully put it. Uh, and my message tonight is fear not. And one, one thing, I want to share a story that happened to me. I was in eighth grade, and uh, my neighbor next to me in my house was a good friend of mine. He was a senior, and he was a very good friend. The families were friends, but he had a friend that was bullying me. His name was D. If, if you still remember at 57-year-old who bullied you in eighth grade, that means it, it was, there was something there. It was an impact, and it marked my life, right? So D would go around. We would be playing basketball or playing baseball, and he would hit me. And until one day I said, enough is enough. And I have to preface this by telling you guys, please do not copy my problem-solving technique, okay? I just want to say it. So, so he was bothering me, and, and one, said, one day, almost like gladiator, I wrote a line on the sand, and I got the dirt and I let it flow, and I went into my house because my brother who was in college and was older than him was at the house. And I went to talk my bro- to my brother, and, you know, we, in Mexico, we solve problems in different ways, <laughs> in very unique ways. So I went to talk to my brother, and I told my brother, you know what, I had enough of this guy. This guy's always bothering me. He's always targeting me. He's always t- telling me stuff, and, and that's it. I, I, I don't want to deal. Can we do something about it? And my brother said, absolutely. You know, he was an awesome street fighter. And, uh, and I told him, and he says, okay, we're going to make a plan, and this is the plan, okay? We're going to go out there, and you're going to participate, he says. We're going to go out there, and you're going you're gonna to be right next to me. And as I'm telling you what's going on with my brother, my little brother, you are going to punch him with the hardest, with all your strength, might, and soul. You're going to go and punch him when I'm talking to him. So, you know, I listen to my older brothers. Uh, I'm obedient to them. So we go there, and, and we, we, he's standing in front of me. Uh, I'm standing on the side. My brother's standing in front of me. I say, what, what's up? You know, what's going on with Rudy? What, what is he doing to you? How come you're bothering him? He told me you've been doing that for a long time. And as, we, as he's talking, you know, I was a little bit chunky. So I had weight. I had power. I hit him with all my heart, with my strength in, in, his, in the face. And he rattled back. And he almost fell. I wish I would have knocked him down. But that, before, uh, that was before I was a Christian. And... Um, <laughs> So he rattled and almost fell. Then he got up and wanted to come against me. And my brother got in the way. And he couldn't dare to, to, to attack me. And as I was praying, you know, last week for when they told me, uh, when they asked me to preach, as I was praying, uh, on Thursday morning, God showed me something very clear. That there's some of you that feel like the devil's got your number. That you're the target of the devil. And, and what God showed me is like, like you're seeing the laser on the scope. The devil's got you down, but you see, you're seeing the laser, and you feel trapped, and you feel like you can't, that, that you're, he, he's, he's winning. He's got your number. And, um, and I want to tell you that he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And we're going to see how we're going to fight him tonight, right? Uh, you guys want to know? 
Okay. So I've been traveling since May. I've been traveling um, probably about three times, three weeks out of the month, in and out, and all over the place. And and when the cool thing about it is that when we when we were empty nesters, I, I told my wife, "You're gonna travel with me all over the place." And and I have a companion pass; it doesn't even cost me anything. And the first two months, she was traveling with me all over the place. But then she said, "I can't take this anymore. I don't want to go with you. Go alone." You know, we're empty nesters. So she abandoned me. And, and I'm still working on that. We're going through marriage counseling with Pastor Gina and, and, uh, and Stephen. But one of the things, you know, I, I, I went to Pennsylvania. I went to New Jersey. I went to several cities in Mexico, Arizona, Northern California, all over the place. But there was a common thread in my dinners, in my meetings, in my lunches, that made me really mad. And the common thread was that people are gripped with fear and anxiety. And I said, you know, we are the light of the world. We are the church. We need to be healthy. We need to be healthy. We need to come and we want God to equip us to, to be there for a hurting world. Because, and we ha I had the opportunity to speak to people about different things. But, you know, fear and anxiety was the top of the list. And, and fear has an effect. And some of the consequences of fear that I, that I got to, to hear from different people that, that I was meeting with, and uh, it was fear that was undealt with. You see, we have the Lord to go when, when, when the enemy is attacking, but there's people in the world that don't have anywhere to go, and they have serious consequences. We went to Arizona, and we were with my wife's cousin, and she told us about their friend, who's the, who the father of their friend uh, committed suicide. And a couple months later, the daughter committed suicide. Then uh, they told us about another person. Two weeks ago, a close friend from mine from Arizona tried to commit suicide. Um, drugs and alcohol. People are searching. I had one incident in, in, in Philadelphia where I was having dinner with this couple, and the lady says that, you know, they're trying to see, you know, this craziness and all this despair. And she was like hopelessness, with hopelessness. But she traveled to Puerto Vallarta to go on a mushroom trip where they hallucinate. And they go and they do all this crazy stuff. So people are searching. And, and, and in fact, at the, at, you know, as I got to talk to her a little bit more, she says, um, she says that, her father's nuts. He's a, they're Jewish, and her father's nuts. He became a Messianic Jew. Oh, I said, okay, red flag here. And, uh, and uh, so I, I was able to talk to her and, and tell her, you know what? You don't have to fear. She's gripped by fear. And I told her, you know, I'm a Christian, and I know the Prince of Peace, and you don't have to fear. And uh, so I, I, I was able to plant a seed in the conversation. There, in, in the trip, we heard about a couple that has left the house since the pandemic started twice. Wow. Their house, can you imagine what that is? Not being able to socialize? I mean, it's devastating. It has a mental impact. And if it's not dealt with correctly, it leads to other things. It leads to drug abuse. It leads to alcohol, addictions, and depression. Yeah. I talked to somebody that uh, recently that uh, is struggling with, um, with anger. And, you know, this, this thing, this, the times that we're living in caused constant anger and rage and rage against the family. And that's devastating. That's devastating for the family. And that's exactly 
what the enemy wants to do, but Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So as I'm talking to people, people are fearful. The top fears are, you know, fear of dying, fear of getting sick and dying, that they're going to get the coronavirus. There's fear of civil unrest. Where I stayed in, in Pennsylvania, it was all where the unrest happened, and there were boards. There's still uh, stores that closed down there that they never opened them back up. But they told me the people that I was with, everything was just closed. Boards all over the window, of all the of, of all the streets, all the windows. Uh -huh. And then uh, there's fears right now. Will I keep my job yeah. with the mandates? What's going to happen? And biological warfare is one of them. My, some of them is my past mistakes are going to catch up to me and not have enough money for my future. And those are the things, that, the, the real things that, that we're seeing. But, but I want to let you guys know that God has an antidote for fear and anxiety. God, has a, God, is, God is powerful. And we're not, we don't succumb to those things if we're positioned correctly. So my first point is don't be anxious. And, and in Philippians 4, 6, through, and 7, it says, don't be pulled, in the Passion Translation, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. And, and the other translation says, do not be anxious for anything. But I love, the, you know, the picture that you get. Don't be pulled in different directions. Because fear pulls you in different directions. That's what, exactly the strategy of the, of the enemy is to try to bring confusion. Try to bring, um, it, 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 it brings you into, into a tunnel vision where you're only looking at the problem and, it, and, 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 and you start expecting the worst. And you're making the problem bigger than God. That's what, exactly what he wants. He wants to, you know get you out of focus and, and impairs your judgment. And in fact, I'll tell you what it looks like. Um, when uh, my, my in-laws lived in Phoenix and every summer we used to go to the river there in Phoenix, the Salt River, and we used to go on inner tubes. And they drop us off on top and you go on inner tubes and you come down for a few hours. It's really cool and everybody's, you know, just chilling and, and having a great time. Well, one of those times, one of those th they got big inner tubes with ice chest and food and everything. It's like 30 people. It's really cool. So on one of those times, on one of those times, you know, we were going, my father-in-law and my, my wife's cousins and our kids and everybody were going down the river. And then I see my father, we hit a little bit of a deeper area and, and some currents and my father-in-law falls from the inner tube and starts to, to drown. And, he's, and, he's, and I said, you know what? This is a perfect moment where I can score major points with my wife. <laughs> and I'll have her wrapped around my finger for the rest of my life. If I save her father. So here I go. I go here's Rudy to the rescue, right? So I go rescue my father. I'm rescuing my father now, but, you know, I'm not a lifeguard. Okay? So he starts... He starts uh, pushing me down, and I was going down, and I look around, and the person that's closest to me is my wife. And I was drowning, too. <laughs> so I just got my father-in-law and threw her to, on top of my wife. Immediately, she sank. <laughs> so she, remember that? So she gets up. She gets up, and I see her face. And there's this, uh, when two become one, 
you know, there's this telepathetic communication that goes on. She surfaced in the air and she said a lot of things without saying a word. What in the world are you doing? What are you thinking? She was saying with her expressions and all that. And I looked at her and I said, well, I'm the only breadwinner in the house. And my kids, who's going to feed my kids? And then she said, rescue me. We said all that without saying a word. <laughs> so there I go. And I get my father-in-law. I get my father-in-law. And, and I'm swimming as best as I can to take him to the, to the edge of the river. And then I just push him out. We were already at the edge. But my father-in-law, because his perception was wrong and his tunnel vision was wrong, was still thinking he was drowning, and at the same time, he was touching, even with his hands, the, 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 the edge of the water because it was so shallow now. And he was, you know, he was trying to, to save himself until we, we were saying, levántate, párate, get up and stand up. And then he stands up, goes to the edge, and just flops. But his perception, fear, got a grip of him that he couldn't discern what was around him, and that's exactly... That's exactly what fear does to you. And then um, it brings instability. Fear brings instability. It magnifies the problem. It brings unhappiness. It brings lack of contentment. And it saps your vitality and, and paralyzes your soul. And fear comes in many ways. It, it can happen in, in different areas in our life where sickness, you know, trauma, business. And in 2006, I experienced a lot of fear for, for a short time. Um, Anything that could wrong in business and investments and everything that could go wrong went wrong. And I got to the point where we were going to close the business. And I invested money. I lost it. I lent money. They didn't pay me back. So I was in, uh, in big, big trouble. And when the realization came, I went, I went home and I just laid on the sofa and would go to work and come home and lay on the sofa. And I thought, I was sharing the story, you know, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, and I thought it was just for a couple of weeks that I wasn't laying in the sofa. And my wife said, no, it was a long time. And I, it's a blurry time for me. That's how much grip fear me. It was a blurry time that I, I can't even remember the whole thing because I, hadn't, I didn't deal with it properly at that time. And um, so, you know, it, it was a difficult time for us, and, and, but, you know, I was able to... to read the word. I was able to go to the Lord. I was able to, to do what it says here in Philippians. I was able to be saturated in prayer. You know, so I started to get myself in, in, the, right, in the right spirit. I started to read the word. I started to apply the word into my life. Then uh, it says, be saturated in, pray, in prayer throughout the day, offering your faith-filled request before God, overflowing with gratitude. See, the, one of the ways that we overcome fear is, is to be in the right standing, in right communion with God. And the best place we can be is to have that, you know, communion with God, is to have that close relationship with God. Prayer, you know, it says, and, and the other version says, you know, prayer and request. Prayer is a general communion with God. It's, it's your, you know that you are with God, you're talking to God. Specific request is for the things that the enemy is throwing you away because life happens to all of us. There's, we don't, I mean, this is, this is where we are. Life happens. We have difficulties. We have trials and, uh, and situations that happen where, where, where we have to, you know, run to the Father, right? We have to run to the Father. And it says, 
And make your request, a faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. He said, gratitude is a weapon. You know, you know what the greatest thing about gratitude for me is that, you know, I faced other challenges in my life. And God's got me through it. And I can go back and say, Lord, you did it again. If you have the right perspective, Lord, I remember when, that, when I was in trouble here, when this happened and I faced this situation and you brought me through, even though I couldn't see how you're going to get me through and you brought me through. And what did that do? That, that gave me a little bit more of muscle. I know that I can't show it like, like here, but, but it increased my faith muscle. And then, but gratitude, knowing that who God is and what he does and what he has done and what he's going to do, what he says right now, the promises that we can apply and the, thing that he's, the things that he says about my future, we got to declare it with gratitude. Because we're not, we're not left out on the open here. We have a father that cares deeply for each one of us. He cares. And God doesn't want us to be dwelling on our, on, our, on our circumstances, to be dwelling on, on our fears or an anxiety. God wants us to look to him. And point number two, it says, uh, is cast all your fears. It's 1 Peter 5, 7, and 8. And it says, casting all your cares. Uh, this is from the Amplified Bible. It says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties and all your worries and all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully be sober well balanced self self-disciplined be alert and cautious at all times the enemy of yours the devil prowls around like a roaring lion fiercely hungry seeking who he may devour what i love about this is you know to cast is to throw to hurl to throw with force there's nothing you can throw a god that is the enemy is trying to bring that he can't carry there's nothing and, and, and what he, the way we overcome fear is to take our anxieties to him, to go to, to him in prayer. And that, and, and that should be a discipline, like it says here. To be self-disciplined is something that we need to practice to have victory. We have a hurting world. We have the antidote. We have the answer. And, it, and, and we're the one that God is calling us to win the lost. It's for this generation, for such a time as this, for Chula Vista, Eastlake Campus, we are called to go out there. But we need to know how to deal with these things that come against us, right? And then it says, uh, I love what it says, is with, with deepest affection. You know, we have seven grand, uh, five grandkids. We have five grandkids, and we took care of three this weekend. And I can tell you that uh, these kids are the most amazing thing that ever happened to our life. We, as uh, I'm learning so much about the love of the Father through them, that it's amazing. My, we had them here this weekend, and and they want to be around us. You know, I'm their hero. In fact, this is a true story. One of my grandkids had a project in school about superheroes, and they had to take a poster board. And guess who was the superhero? I was next to Iron Man. I was next to Captain America, Mexican cutie. We had everybody there. So, but, you know, with deepest affection, I never experienced a deeper affection than what I'm experiencing between my grandkids and myself and myself for my grandkids. But as I reflect on that, and I was reflecting this weekend when I was with them. Sometimes I can't believe they're with me. And, and, and you know, the love that I feel, is, it's something that's incredible. But to know that God loves us more than that. Yeah. 
that, that's, uh, you know, something that we need, to, we need to put into perspective. Each one of you, God loves you like you can't imagine to the uh, billionth power. You know, the capacity that I have to love my, my kids and my grandkids is nothing compared to the love of the Father. And he deeply cares about every situation. So we need to understand that he wants the best for us. He has the best for us, but he has a plan. He has a strategy, and we're in a battle, and we need to step in, and we need to understand who our father is and run to our father. Like my grandkids fall, they run to us. If their parents are not there, they run to us, and even if the parents are there because we spoil them. So, <laughs> you know, they're, they're a little bit manipulative. But, but I was like that too, so it's okay. But, yeah, our father loves us, and he cares for everything that you're going through. He cares about everything that you're going through. So we need to be sober. We need to have, live a life well-balanced and self-disciplined. Uh, it's very important. You see, nobody can live your faith out. Nobody can live your faith out. Only you can say how far you go with God. It's only, it's only, it's up to us. But God wants to blow your mind. God wants to blow your mind what he can do with your life. God wants to blow your mind in the ways that he wants to bless you, in the opportunities he wants to give you, in the power that he wants you to flow through you, to impact people in your life, to, to have a greater reach, a greater impact in, 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 with your family, in your workplace, in, in, in our city. So God wants us to, to, to live a disciplined life, and he wants us to be alert and cautious at all times. And I think that, you know, we know, the Bible describes very clearly the tactics of the enemy. My mom used to say that the devil knew more because he was old. That's how I'm translating to English, no? El diablo sabe más por, vie más por viejo que por nada, no? Uh, so the, the devil knows more because he's so ancient and he's so old that he's got to see the way life works, that, that uh, the strategies are the same. They don't change. The strategy don't change. So, and God, God gave us, a, God has the antidote. God has an exit plan. But we have to be in there, and we got to know, you know, the, the power of God, you know, um, how the power of God works through us and what we need to do to be able to be an influence and, and be healthy and be productive, right? And uh, the, in the world, there's a lot of things that can make us afraid. But in, our, in the Bible, there's, so many things to make us unafraid. If you're in the word, you're going to be unafraid. If you have discipline, you're going to be unafraid. If you're in prayer, you're going to be unafraid. And if something comes your way, you're going to know where to go. And you're going to know, you know, be in prayer. And you're going to be able to go and, and experience the peace of God, which will guard your heart and mind. Isn't that amazing? That we can guard our heart. We can guard our, God, God will guard our mind. If, we experience, if we're with the Prince of Peace, if we encounter him, we have protection, divine protection. And um, I want to share a story about a painting. And I know some of you have heard the story. It's about a painting from Friedrich Moritz. It's a German uh, painter. Mm. This painting was, it was in the Louvre Museum for many, many years in France. Have you guys been there by any chance to Louvre Museum? Yeah, we were there, and, and, and I'm not a like, really cultured you know, artist, connoisseur, and all that. And we were at the Renaissance place, and it's like, I don't know, 50 rooms about Renaissance art. And I go in there, and we go in there, and we see one, and, and it's really nice and everything. The paintings are good, huge. We go to another room, the same paintings, just in a different thing. So, and there's 50. 
So I told my wife, you know what? Seen one, seen them all. Let's go to another place. <laughs> so, so, but the, this painting was there, the, the, uh, and the painting was called Checkmate. And it's about, the painting depicts two chess players. The devil is one of them, and then another person is, is, is there. And the, in the painting, the devil's like this, like, I got you, like, you know, boasting. And the other person is downcast. And they have the chess, the chess game in front of them and the chess pieces all placed. And it's called Checkmate. And the story goes that there was a, a world champion chess player that was at the museum and started to look at the painting and started to look at the positions of the chess pieces. And after a long time, and I, I think it was a couple hours, I think after a long time of studying the Checkmate, that the devil was already declaring because whoever lost, lost their soul in the painting. That was the idea behind the scene. So they're, you know, they're look, they're, he's looking at the painting and then all of a sudden he calls the curator. He calls the curator, it's a lie. He goes, it's a lie. It's not checkmate. The king has one more move and he's gonna win. The king has one more move and he's gonna win. And Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den was on a checkmate situation. But the king had one more move and he shut the mouth of the lions. The woman caught in adultery. They had the stones and it was checkmate for her life. But it was a lie. The king had one more move. And then uh, the thief at the cross with Jesus. He was condemned. He was at the cross. He was being crucified. And yet... The king had one more move. And you guys, there's people here right now that are experiencing fear, and fear has gripped him, uncertainty, and it's taken a little over your, your thought process. And I want to tell you that it's a lie. The king has one more move. You might be thinking about your job. You might be thinking about what's going to happen with my job. Go to God because the king has one more move. Moises. You know, you might be in a, a, against the corner, but the king, the king has one more move. You might, be, you might be devastated about a problem with your family, your kids, or, or, or your, your extended family, and it's hurt you, and, and you think that there's no solution. I want to tell you that the king has one more move, and we got to believe that God is going to do something tonight, because if you're are experiencing fear, if you are being gripped by anxiety, if you're being, uh, if it's clear, uh, blurring your vision, if it's affecting the way you're, you're, you're behaving or the way you're acting or the way you're treating people, I want you to, right now, to, I'm going to invite everybody to, to, to come forward and we're going to have some ministry time. We're going to have some people to pray for you because we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that it can end tonight. We believe that the King has one more move for your life and it can end tonight. So if you're experiencing fear, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come over. If you're experiencing fear, if you are um, gripped by anxiety, if, if it's affecting your life, if it's affecting some areas of your life, and, and you know who you are, you know who, who, who you are. And I, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Nashla and her communion message talk about overcoming, talked about overcoming fear. And if you're experiencing that, come forward, uh, get ministered to, and come into and, and, and experience a, a prayer of agreement with somebody here, and let it be done tonight. But don't forget, 
you know, to run to God. Don't forget to seek God. Don't forget to be saturated with prayer and, and, and experience the peace of God so it can guard your heart and it can guard your mind. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.